Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Coming up in about uh, just a little over two weeks. Buckeyes will play their final game of the 2023 season as they failed to make the playoffs. So they're playing in the Cotton Bowl against Missouri. Uh, two top ten teams according to the college football playoff rankings. But to me, a meaningless bowl game. Don't tell that to Jack Sawyer. He got pissed when somebody mentioned that to Jack Sawyer, that the Cotton Bowl's a meaningless bowl game. So I guess he's going to play in that bowl game. And to talk more about all of this, who's in, who's out, and uh, what to look forward to, let's go to the hotline right now. Check in with Buckeyes beat reporter for Bucknuts.com. Follow him on Twitter at Steve Hellwagon. He is Steve Hellwagon. Steve, thanks for making time for us. And did you get the sense that those players actually meant that, that they are looking at this bowl game as a a legitimate uh, build on it for next year type of a bowl game as opposed to just, uh, you know, a meaningless one because you're not playing in the playoff? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the sentiment that was shared yesterday was, these guys are football players, and they consider this to be part of this season, and that they want to finish this season on a high note and get to 12-1, and one, which is pretty rare to win 12 games. I think in this era where everybody is just caught up in, in winning the college football playoff, and that's all that matters, um, you know, it's a, it's a different take on things, certainly. And, you know, beginning next year, when there's the 12-team playoff, it's entirely possible that you could make the playoff, lose in the middle of December, and not play in a, in a bowl game. Like, your season will be over, potentially. And so, you know, it's a little bit different way of looking at things, I guess. Uh, these guys, you know, aren't happy with the way that, uh, that they went out against uh, Michigan. And, you know, it's understandable. It didn't go well, obviously, to lose third straight year year to Michigan. So I think they want to go out, play one more game, and uh, let it it fall where it may. I guess I'll clarify that, you know, for some of these guys, um, they could be coming back to Ohio State next Mm -hmm. year. Some of them could be going on to the NFL. So uh, nobody clarified yet which direction they'll be going after this game. There were only six of these guys who are draft-eligible juniors uh, who made this announcement yesterday. Denzel Burke, the cornerback, Jack Sawyer, defensive end, Tyler Williams, defensive tackle. Those were three of them. Uh, let's see, who else? Uh, the offensive lineman, Donovan Jackson, uh, was part of that. Emeka Buka, surprisingly, the wide receiver, he was uh, one of them as well. So uh, nothing yet on... Uh, the running back, Travion Henderson, wide receiver, Marvin Harrison, All-American, or uh, JT Tui Malowau, the defensive end. We didn't get to talk to those three guys, but uh, the six that I mentioned there, they're all uh, at least going to play in the bowl game. And one of the players made the passing comment that uh, the way they understood it, quote, everybody was playing. So uh, there you go. We know one guy who isn't, that's the quarterback, Kyle McCord. Obviously, uh, Julian Fleming and 
and uh, uh, who else am I missing? Uh, Chip Trianum have all entered uh, the transfer portal. So there you go. Opt-in, opt-out, transfer portal. I mean, there's so many confusing things here. But, Steve Hellwagon, I want to take you back to the beginning of the season. And I want to ask, and you mentioned Kyle McCord. Now, we know he's in the transfer portal. But the skill set between the differences between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, I don't think we ever really truly got to see what Devin Brown could bring to the table. But we're hearing in practices now that he's the guy. My question is this. During the Ohio State-Michigan game, they kept talking about J.J. McCarthy. What a great quarterback. Oh, he's going to be a great quarterback. But the one thing that they said that really rang true to me is the fact that they said he ran like a 4-4-40. Is Devin Brown really a true dual-threat quarterback? Because the only time we ever saw him was like on the goal line. We knew he was more of a bruising-type running back. But can this dude run? Well, yeah, I think that that was part of why they they used him down on the goal line was to give them the uh, dimension of quarterback run. And we saw that at times it was effective against Purdue. They scored a couple touchdowns with it. One of them, he ran it. Of course, another time he fumbled it and lost possession. So you hope that was a a good learning experience for him. And then he tried against Penn State, you know, as as I'm kind of reminded about uh, Ricky Vaughn, you know, caps and sleeves at this level. This is why we don't run the quarterback. He got folded up, you know, like a, like a card table and got injured, you know. So, yeah. uh, you know, it is what it is. Everybody wants to run the quarterback, dot, 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 till you get him yeah, hurt. true. So, you know, you got to pick and choose your spots, I guess. But, you know, J.J. McCarthy showed you how it's done. He converted third downs and, you know, got out of harm's way without taking bad hits and these kind of things. And that's. That's what you have to do, well, and uh, that's what NFL quarterbacks are are taught to do. If if they can, is to to get the get the get the sticks moved and get down, yeah. get out of there. So, yeah. uh, you know, I I think that he'll be much more mobile than McCord. Uh, you know, Jack Sawyer talked about how hard it is to track him down. You know, pass rushing in practice, that type thing. Uh, in Mecca Buca you know, saying his praises a little bit as well yesterday as you would. They're trying to build this guy up now because mm-hmm. he's their hope to beat Missouri. So, you know, such as it is. So, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. I guess get into this game and then we'll we'll see from there what happens. Well, the reason I asked the question is because I'm trying to figure out why Kyle McCord was able to beat him out to begin with. Uh, we hear that the skill set is maybe there. Or do you think that the Buckeyes are still really looking, actively looking for another quarterback in the transfer portal? I think if the right guy uh, comes about, uh, that that would that would be uh, something. And that's either a guy to be the starter, you know, on the front end, you know, a guy that's accomplished, that has done it at the, the highest level, then it'd be hard to turn your back on that. You know, a sure thing, a commodity, even if it would cost you, you know, Devin Brown as a, as a transfer player. Or, uh, you know, after spring ball, perhaps you're looking for another stopgap guy like they got this past year from Oregon State, Tristan Gebbia, kind of a career backup type guy that's just there, you know, break glass in case of emergency, that type thing, and to provide some practice reps as well for your defense. So, you know, one of those two things wouldn't surprise me, uh, but I haven't seen or heard yet where they're, you know, having somebody like that visit campus or get real close to, to making that kind of decision. So, I mean, we're seeing some dominoes fall. They had apparently put a claim in on uh, 
you know, a waiver claim, <laughs> you know, on a, on a guy from Duke, Riley Leonard, who I guess is going to Notre Dame. So I guess maybe there was some interest there, but, uh, you know, he had already uh, essentially made the deal to go to Notre Dame. So, you know, a lot of backroom wheeling and dealing going on right now. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of like the hot stove league in baseball. You, you'll know when your team has signed somebody when they tell you they've signed somebody. Okay. So that's kind of the way it is. Steve Hellwag and our guest, Outstanding Buckeyes beat reporter, Bucknuts.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Steve Hellwagon. Great video, audio, podcasts, uh, stories, stats, information, uh, in season, out of season, year-round uh, on Ohio State football and basketball, for that matter. And, and Steve, you mentioned uh, Trevion Henderson, JT Tumaloa, and, and Marvin Harrison. Uh, I personally think all three are going to the NFL. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I have to eat crow, and I'll gladly do that. Um, but uh, I, I look at this, and I – is he teasing Buckeye fans, Marvin Harrison Jr., by saying he truly hasn't made up his mind yet because maybe there's an NIL deal out there that might keep him in Columbus? Or, I mean, is there truth to this? What do you make of his comments to this point? Yeah, I, I don't for one second believe there's any amount of NIL money that would, that would change this because, you know, let's think about this. We all follow the, the National Football League. And, you know, as a top three, top four pick, he's holding a lottery ticket worth about $40 million over five years. And okay. the important thing for guys who are at the high, high end is to get that first contract started so that in three years, four years, they will rip that one up and give you one for eight years, you know, $120 million or whatever, you know, what, whatever they're right. paying these guys these days. So that, that to me, holds no water, no – don't, if you ever hear anybody say, you know, at least for a high-end guy, that NIL might keep him in school, that doesn't make any sense. If he decides to stay in school, it's because he's having the time of his life and he and his dad, you know, don't, you know, I would never say anybody doesn't need the money, but, you know, we're okay, you know, to where, you know, if, if something were to happen and he only makes half that, he'll still be all right, you know, type thing. So, you know, I, I I can't believe it when anybody would ever say that there's a fifteen or twenty million dollar NIL deal to keep somebody in college for another year. That that's nonsense. You know, who's putting that money up? You know, is is Nissan putting that money up? I mean, who's putting that money up so you know, Dr. Pepper, so he'll be on a commercial every commercial break, you know, all season long. I, I just I don't know what that would even be. So Fuck nuts, get it you know, done. Why don't you guys, Pam, keep them in Columbus? We'll make it a buck. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I I look at it as far as the others. uh, You know, JT Tumalowal predicted maybe the late first round, early second. Running back's hard to go in the first round, but Henderson could be, you know, with an injury history, you know, second. So, you know, I I don't know what to make of that, but uh, each guy has a different situation. But Harrison's situation is entirely different. Top of the first round. I think he's got to go. And uh, you know, whether he plays in this game or not, you know, I, I tend to don't I tend to doubt that he will. I think it's kind of telling who they did provide and who they didn't yesterday, guys who were committed to play. So uh that that was kind of telling to me. Great point. I, I agree with you. The guys you got to talk to and the ones you didn't. Sometimes you have to read between the lines on, yeah. on that. All right, Steve, what do you make of 
uh, how many guys have left Columbus for the transfer portal besides Kyle McCord. Any reason for concern there for Buckeye fans that, uh uh-oh, maybe this uh, ship isn't sailing in the right direction and these guys are trying to get out? Or, no, they saw the writing on the wall with recruits coming in and they figured they weren't going to play at Ohio State, so they're leaving. Yeah, you know, uh, McCord obviously loses one game, gets vilified, was told he'd have to win the job, you know, next year possibly, and left. So that explains him. Uh, Trayonum was the backup to Henderson. Uh, does he know that Henderson's coming back? You know, is that why he's not oh. coming back? Because he's not going to be the lead dog, possibly. I mean, if Henderson's gone, then it's between him and Dallin and Hayden, you know, to, to split that job or whatever next year. Uh, you know, and then Fleming, you know, put four years in Ohio State. And I think that he just wants to change the scenery and a chance to be the lead dog. He knows what Ohio State's got. And not only that, there's the potential that Buca will come back, you know, if, if we feel like Chris Olave did, come back, have a great senior year, and improve your stock uh, after being banged up. He only got 32 passes and only scored three touchdowns this season for a guy who was supposed to have such a huge year uh, at Buca. So maybe he's leaning toward coming back. We don't know. But uh, the other 11, they'll never miss. Uh, what did they all play? A combined hundred snaps this year. Uh, yeah. It hurts your depth a little bit, but you know nobody who factors in the plans for next year, as far as I can tell. So, yeah, I, I don't think that uh, it, it just clears scholarships for better players. Is how I look at it. Let's take it back okay. to Henderson for a second. In last year's NFL draft, we saw two running backs taken in the first round. We understand the idea and how much money you might lose if you're not a first rounder, but we see the NFL doesn't really seem to value running back that early. I was kind of surprised that two guys went in the first round. If Henderson did go to the NFL next year, what round do you think he'd be taken? Yeah, that's a great one. It only takes one team to uh, to take you that early. So, you know, uh, I just look at it that, uh, you know, second round is probably his his highest just because of his injury status. He's in and out of the lineup mm. so much the last two years. I mean, he hasn't answered the bell every week. And uh, I think he could be a very good NFL running back if used in the right, uh, the right way on the perimeter type thing, third down back. Whatever, but uh, yeah, I I don't know. I I don't think he has first round ability for the NFL. Okay. I just don't. I just don't think what he does. Do you do you maybe compare him? I don't mean to cut you off. NFL draft pick. Is there any way you compare him to maybe a J.K. Dobbins? When you when you start to think about injuries, if you're getting injured yeah. that much in college. J.K. Dobbins comes to mind. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would say that that's a definite possibility. I think, you know, you look at it, and uh, I think that, uh, uh, you know, they're kind of the same skill sets. I'm kind of the same athletic ability. And, uh, you know, I feel bad for J.K. He's got the potential of being a great NFL player. He just can't seem to get healthy. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's messy for sure. Steve, as I look at this football team moving forward, okay, to me it's somewhat concerning the way last season ended and potentially the way this season could end with two consecutive losses, the two biggest games of the year. 
we know Ryan Day can beat everybody on uh, the schedule besides Michigan and a top five team, right? Because that's what his record tells us in his four or five years, however long uh, you know he's been there. Um, is that important to this uh, Cotton Bowl as well, where he doesn't go two consecutive years of losing the two biggest games for Ryan Day to take some of the pressure off going into next year or no? Well, you know, obviously to say that this game has any kind of weight commensurate to the Michigan game, that's definitely not the case. I think uh, Ohio State's track record in these games, uh, these quote-unquote secondary bowl games, has been pretty good. I'd have to strain to think the last time that, that they that they lost a non-playoff uh, bowl game might have been to Texas in the Fiesta Bowl, you know, over a decade ago. I, I, I don't know. I think they've had a pretty well a clean sweep of these type, you know, otherwise type games. I mean, beating USC right. in the Cotton Bowl, Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. I mean, uh, Utah in the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago. So, <clears throat> you know, I think um, – I, I don't look at it that that this has anything to do with his future or anything like that. I think that uh, I think most people look at it and just say it, it is a secondary bowl game. It's just a footnote on this season and doesn't really speak to the direction of the program one way or the other. I think what speaks to the direction of the program is the recruiting. Uh, next Wednesday, they're going to sign another class that's in the top five nationally with the nation's number one prospect, the wide receiver, Jeremiah Smith from Florida and a great quarterback from Georgia Air Nolan. So, you know, they're continuing to stack one class on top of the other. The future of the program looks pretty bright, but, you know, I, I do agree. I think from a PR standpoint to go down, you know, to Texas and take care of business and beat Missouri, a top 10 team in the, in the bowl game, a team with 10 wins, uh, that'd be a nice statement and a good way to finish this year and end it on a high note. And everybody has a good taste in their mouth. Going to the off season, you, you lose this game, then you know you, you don't talk about it all that much, and and you move on. So uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't look at it like this. I mean, there's a new president, Ted Carter, coming in from Nebraska on January the first. There'll be a new athletic director following Gene Smith coming up sometime in the spring, and uh, <clears throat> those people will be Ryan Day's bosses, and the trustees will tell them how they feel about Ohio State football this year going into the next year and uh you know if it comes down to it next year and win or lose against michigan then i'm sure the discussion will be had on or win or or make the playoff and not make the playoff the discussion will be had on on how they feel about ryan day and his status at that point steve hellwagon our guest talking osu football bowl season uh, about to uh, get underway shortly and the buckeyes will be playing in the cotton bowl on december 29th you'll hear that game right here on WHBC. All right, let's go to the the four teams that are playing for the national championship this year. Steve, uh, Alabama, Michigan. This is my opinion. Tell me if you agree or disagree. Um, I think the winner of that game wins the national championship. Uh, your thoughts on that as Texas plays Washington in the other game? Yeah, I think those other two teams are a little bit flawed. Maybe not quite as good defensively as Michigan and Alabama. So I I would probably agree with you. Uh, I mean, it would take Penix or Quinn Ewers to just be on an all-time, all-time heater, you know, to throw for over 400 yards and put up 48 points or something, you know, ridiculous against a great uh, Michigan or Alabama defense 
I think, uh, to, for one of those teams to, to pull it off. So, yeah, I think the winner of Michigan-Alabama should be favored uh, and, and probably will go on and win just because they have better defenses than either of those teams. And, you know, we've got 13 games of evidence for all four of these teams right now to make that kind of educated guess. And I'm, I'm not saying there's not a puncher's chance. Uh, if Michigan gets there and J.J. McCarthy doesn't play well and Michigan can't put up 31 points, then maybe they don't win that game. You know what I mean? But uh, right. uh, And same with Milrow. I mean, if Milrow reverts back to what he did early in the season against Texas, then he'd have a problem. But I think that uh, Alabama, you know, since they played Texas, has definitely evolved. Uh, you know, I'm making plans. I'm going to be back in town by December the 31st, and I've already told my wife, by 5 o'clock on December the 31st, I am parked directly in front of my flat screen because <laughs> I want to see what happens. Because I think we're in for two pretty good games that day. I guess it's January the 1st this year right. instead of the 31st, but uh, most years the uh, semis are on the 31st. But, uh, yeah, I, I want to see uh, what happens in those two games because, you know, I think we do have the four best teams that are going right now. All apologies to Florida State. They had a great year, but, you know, as constituted today, they're not one of the four best teams. So, you know, that's that's kind of my thought about it. Steve, as uh, we transition from football to basketball here with you in the last couple of minutes, Buckeyes surprised us with some wins and then blew an 18-point lead uh, to a Big Ten opponent, uh, Penn State. Uh, give us, uh, I guess, uh, an updated uh, report on the status of the current basketball team, the men's team at Ohio State right now. Yeah, that's one of those games that, uh, you know, you have an 18-point lead with 15 and a half minutes to go. You've got to win that game 100 times out of 100, and they didn't. And uh, that reflects on the coaching, reflects on the leadership, reflects on the players. Uh, you know, they, they got beat on the offensive boards by Penn State down the stretch, failed to defend the three. Penn State was 8 of 15 on threes in the second half and uh, a lot of defensive uh, deficiencies. And then Penn State went to a 2-3 zone, which we saw early in the year, like Texas A&M and some of the other teams, uh, gave Ohio State some fits. So <clears throat> they've got to play a full 40 minutes. Uh, they've got to defend the three-point line. They've got to rebound. You know, when, the other, when you hold the other team and they miss a shot, you've got to get that defensive rebound. You can't allow them second and third chance points. And then offensively, you've got to be a little bit more assertive against the 2-3 zone uh, when you see it. So, uh, you know, as great as Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gill, the guards, sophomores have been, uh, some of their youth showed in that game against Penn State. They had a couple of veteran guards who exposed a couple of things against them offensively and defensively, and uh, that added up to, to a painful loss. I mean, this is a Penn State team that's like in the 200s, in Ken Palm, you know, way down the computer rankings, uh, just now five and five after that win, and had lost five games in a row. You know, right. I mean, it it's ridiculous when you really stop to think about it. Uh, again, you, you can't lose those type games and expect to move into the top four in the Big Ten, and yet you've got two thirds of your season left to play a game against UCLA, who is struggling right now. They're five and three on uh, Saturday uh, in the CBS Classic down in Atlanta, 3 p.m. on Saturday, so check that out. Uh, should be a fun game, and they've had all week off, obviously, for uh, the fall semester, 
exams, and they'll be heading to Atlanta tomorrow. So uh, that's kind of the long and short of it. Uh, what you know, not not a good way to get into the holiday season. Losing, you know, again, you're you're up 18 points. You got to win that game uh, every time. You can't give that away. Steve, we always appreciate the insight. Great stuff as usual. Uh, enjoy the games. We'll talk again soon. Happy holidays. All right. All right, King. Take care.